This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Reds slide the foot there. Hello and welcome along to episode 141 of the ABZ Football Podcast. And we're doing this as live this Monday evening. We're not doing it live because of a snafu with Podbean, but never mind. And um, we are doing it as live. So go out, Gav. Bit rough and ready, bit unedited later on because we just don't have the time for that shit. But as always, I'm Gary Scott, joined by the legend that is Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how are you? This is not the podcast I wanted to record this Monday evening, this Monday night raw, shall we say. <laughs> I am less than enthused to be here. And once you start going through that match report, I'm sure I'm going to get just that little bit more angry as it goes along. Yes, indeed. The recipe for all good things, pod. And also joining us is the one and only Graham Steele. Graham, how are things? Uh, equally as enthusiastic as Gav, to be honest. Um, so this might be interesting. I think it might be. So obviously, after we arrived back home very late, um, from Hamden on Sunday. There was little, there's no chance of any of us jumping on to record our thoughts. So here we are on the Monday night. Slightly different version of the show this week because we're just going to take a look back at the, the Via Play Cup defeat at Hamden and then due time constraints. You know, we're not going to bother with lone watch and stuff today. We're just going to go straight on to looking at the game against Livingston on Wednesday evening. So, gents, let's just start first of all with um, the Cup final. Rangers won Aberdeen now. And again, usually we do a bit of a deep dive, a kind of blow by blow of the game. But to be honest, I don't really want to relive it too much. I agree with you on this one, Gav. But just as a starter, I mean, we're now 24 hours removed from the full-time whistle. What was your immediate reaction to that full-time yesterday? Um, Immediate reaction was one of resignation, really. Uh, I don't think I'd quite managed to kind of boil up to the temperature where I was angry. It was just more a sense of, you know, I remember like not wanting to be outwardly negative at any point during the game, but just texting into the chat at halftime that this hasn't been good. Um, talking about the first half, and Graham was I spot it was on. the Hamden Park experience. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that is not unfair to say the least. But Graham was spot on with what he just replied. That yeah, it was like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme of "Hey, I've seen this one before." And you know that it's just a sense of inevitability of what's going to happen if we're not incredibly, incredibly lucky. And the longer the game went on with the score left at nil-nil, you just knew that it was going to be one moment was probably going to decide the game. And truth be told, when Tavernier scored, I didn't really ever believe that we were going to get ourselves back in the game. So yeah, resignation, utter disappointment, um, yeah, just just absolutely gutted. I pretty similar 
Felix, to be honest, I'm still I'm pissed off at the result, as you always would be if you've lost, but I'm just fed up with this. The, that, the game on Sunday was just sort of Robson all over. No attempt to actually play any football or try and win the game. Now, there's the underlying issue that there's a, there are many cup finals we can point to where we've been pretty woeful, but we can kind of park that for maybe another time. But just looking at Sunday, it was just uh, it was just all entirely predictable. Uh, you know, the players, I think, putting in a decent shift. I'm not suggesting they weren't trying or bothered or anything like that, but they just seem to be totally constrained yeah. by the, and I'm using the bunny ears here, tactics employed by the manager. And I'm totally, I'm now conflicted between, like you got to, it's easy, you know, so the players come under a bit of pressure and a bit of stick as they should do because some of the results. But then on the other hand, they're doing what they're told to do and that's, you know, that's kind of the point of being a professional. But on the other hand, you now just want them to go rogue and just have a wee group chat the night before around the formation and what they're going to do and then just start implementing that. Because there's a decent player, I'm, I feel like we've seen it the last few seasons, we see it at times and in sort of flashes, there's a good team there just yeah. can't understand the logic of how they're being told to play and why actually the hierarchy who've put in quite a lot of money are actually tolerating that. Yeah, and I think we'll come on to that in a little bit more later on as we go. Um, but it's a really fair point, again, um, and I think people maybe misinterpreted the way that I tweeted out a full time about just didn't think we turned up on the day. That wasn't to say, I think we did. We put in a lot of effort, I think. You can, I don't think fault anyone for the effort they put in, but I said didn't turn up. I just, we just didn't really create any sort of, we had no threat about us at all um, as far as Rangers are concerned. Like, Rangers didn't really have to defend too, too stoutly or staunchly, even if you want to say, until maybe that last <laughs> 10, 15 minutes after we'd gone a goal behind. And at that point, it's kind of a bit late. And even then, I never really felt like we created anything that, uh, you know, that we didn't really miss a golden opportunity. Well, I mean, the key to statistic in all of this is going to be zero shots on goal. Um, Jack Butler not having a save to make and can't even think of how to deal with a difficult cross or, or anything like that. Um, the approach to the game, and we're going to talk about it in a lot more detail, obviously. Um, I agree as well. Um, Endeavour was there, 100% commitment from the players, um, and I think that has been the case for a lot of the season. And that's why you see likes of Nicky Devlin, Graham Shinney running on empty uh, come the end of the game when we need to press forward and try and get the ball into the Rangers box. They just didn't have anything left in the tank to do so. And because we offered so little of a threat for the 75 minutes prior to Tavernier's goal, Rangers were prepared. It wasn't like they were physically or mentally exhausted from defending for the whole game. They were just ready for that 15-minute little onslaught, if you want to call it that. So, um, yeah, it was that's a big part of why I just had no real belief that we were going to get the equalizer or even, you know, get two goals to make it a win. First talking point, I guess, is always going to be the starting 11. Um, probably not a surprise, per se, to any of us about who actually started the game. But after the win against Eintracht, I had certainly hoped that we would see some of those players who'd played well in that game would have done enough to really force themselves into contention. Instead, though, we had that same group for whom it's fair to say a number of them don't come into that game on Sunday in great form. I mean, I was very surprised with the lineup. 
um, and the formation. I was convinced we would go with the 5-4-1 setup that's worked nicely in Europe away from home uh, in the league, uh, in particular at Ibrox, where we beat Rangers by three goals to one. Um, We're so convincing see, doing so. So to see Dante Polvara <clears throat> not start, um, to see him go with a midfield combination of McGrath, Shinney and Clarkson that hasn't worked, hasn't controlled a game all season. Um, you can't even look at the Hearts game and say that they were pivotal to changing that result. It was all when we made the changes and got Polvara on the park. Uh, we've talked at length about Dante and how well he's done in big games. So to dismiss him, to bring him on with, what, 20 minutes to go or so, I found very confusing. Um, and I thought that it was just... My initial gut reaction was it was too big a game for Esther Sokler, and that's kind of how it turned out to be. I, I don't know about you, Graham. I wasn't surprised that Povara didn't play, given he played 90 minutes against Frankfurt on Thursday night. That, to me, on Thursday was a telltale sign Povara wasn't going to start on Sunday. Yeah, it's kind of unusual that he, he, you know, he doesn't play them that often. Then he gives them 90 minutes in a, I'm not going to say meaningless because every game means something you want to win every game, but in a game where he could have chosen other players. I, I don't know. I, I can't really figure out what he, who does he actually rate and doesn't, or what does he do? Because in some games, like, you know, he saves him, he comes in, and then, you know, Sunday's obviously a big game. He's given him 90 minutes a couple of days, before, which has pretty much never happened. I can't think of many occasions where Pavara has completed 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then Baron doesn't even get a, a look in on. So I'm, I'm not, I don't know. He just seems to have a list of favourites and it's kind of regardless of what's what, you know, eight or nine of them are fixed and then a couple he'll change around. I'm not really sure I really get it. Because like Gavin said, that the, the midfield are not, they're not bad players, but that's not a midfield that, has been gelling in a way that it controls or dominates a game. They've all got qualities, but the three of them together don't really combine to make a, a tough work. defensive shield, do they? It just doesn't work, that 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 combination of three. And I was talking to somebody else about it later on, but we'll come on to it later again about that, I think. But on that starting 11 and everything, is, is this becoming a real problem with Robson, do you think, in terms of his loyalty to certain players, no matter what sort of form they're actually in? Because, you know, for me... In a cup final, you need to be picking and playing your informed players uh, rather than just personalities who you may, you know, have a, a loyalty to. And I don't think we did that on Sunday. And in particular, I'm, I am looking at the likes of Johnny Hayes. And as much as it pains me to say it, Graham Shinney as well. Graham Shinney's not had a great season so far, but is continually being picked. And I just felt that with those two picks in particular. I just don't think we set up with the, the best starting 11 that was available to us on Sunday. When I saw that Dante was preparing himself to come on, I was convinced that it was going to be Shinny he'd come on for. Yeah, likewise. Because Shinny was running on empty. He'd covered a lot of ground, um, all the effort in the world that you always expect from Graham Shinny, but he was just, he was dead on his feet by that point. And Jamie McGrath seemed at least still had some running left in him. Yeah, so I, I was, was very amused. curious sub. Obviously, also we've seen McGrath has got you know a capability from a free kick, so a little added bonus there, and um, that was taken away from us. Well, I also um, looked at it on the base of we just need a goal here, and we're right back in it. You know, McGrath's a good penalty taker. You know, 
Kelly. He definitely wasn't planning for penalties and with a goalkeeper like Kelly, so I can completely understand that. Um, Why do you think we'd be getting a penalty, Gary? But, um, I mean, oh, well, even in the penalty shootout, we don't even get those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking that far ahead, but yeah, no, we probably lads. don't get those. No, lads, you don't get you don't get them either. <laughs> this this just comes back to a very simple point for me about when you're a team like Aberdeen and you've not got the budget to have 22 players of like roughly the same kind of quality. You just need to play your best players week in, week out. That's it does not seem difficult to me. And when I see Angus McDonald on the bench again, when I see Dante on the bench, uh, Connor Barron has been superb whenever he's played this season, generally speaking. It's just, yeah, it's mind boggling. I mean, for me as well, I don't think there was really any surprises in terms of setup purely because of the fact Povara had played the 90 minutes on the Thursday. Um, I, I was expecting him to go 3 5 2. And it's that weird thing with. Robson, where he, I think he probably thought by going two up top, he couldn't be accused of being negative in the final by, by only playing with one. But I think at times this season we've looked more effective with one up top because of the way we've played. But across the piece, we just touched it there. There's plenty of effort. I don't think anyone can deny that. But it's just such a desperately disappointing performance that was put in against them. And, and let's be absolutely frank about this. It's a fucking terrible Rangers side who were down to the bare bones. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Dujon Sterling, I think, picked up the, the man of the match at the game from the sponsors, but he's a left-back who's playing centre midfield. And let's be honest, he pretty much was allowed to dominate it. Um, you could see when we did start getting at their full-backs, Barisic in particular, that they can be exploited. Yeah. Um, and then you can start getting crosses into the box. I mean... There was a point during the first half when it was just so backs against the wall and the distances between every other player and Miofsky and Sokler were so great where it's just, if we do happen to win the ball, it's not about trying to get your foot on it and make passes and get ourselves up the, up the pitch as a team. It's just about hitting that long ball, hoping that one of them can make something out of nothing or Goldson and Balogun are going to make a mistake. And it, was eerily similar for me of Celtic under Goodwin at Pataudry, where there is no imagination, there's no invention, there's no ambition as a team to score a goal. It's just relying on pure luck and soaking up pressure and just hoping for the best. And yeah, for me, that's nowhere near good enough to a way to approach a final, no matter what club you are, Aberdeen or anyone else. I mean, Graham, in cut finals, you need big performances, don't you, from your key players? We just didn't really get that at all. There was a few times in the first half in particular where we did kind of win the ball back, but as Gav just touched on, we were so defensively minded in that first half that any time we did get the ball, like we were far too hurried in our possession. There was like that real lack of composure to pick the right pass. And still, as Gav touches there, just way too much reliance on pumping the ball at the pitch and hoping for the best. Yeah, we've seen it so many times this season that it has to be that's just what they're told to do. I mean, these guys don't suddenly become negative or poor when you saw you know, likes of Clarkson last season. But yeah, I know there's a, it's a really frustrating watch. And again, it, it just plays into the opposition hand because yeah, you do get the ball, but you just give it straight back to them. And it's just kind of wave of, after wave of attack or them just having the possession but obviously that tires us out when you're trying to chase the ball or close down spaces so there's no easy passes and it just all 
it just basically builds up to the team almost getting closer and closer to our box or the midfield and everything getting closer to our box and the one or the two who are up top being isolated and then, you know, it's basically just can you chase one at the channel? Or even, like you say, if they do win a header from a long ball, what's the point? Because there's one guy up against two or three defenders. Um, there's nobody getting forward from midfield because the gap's too big. So all they do is get it back, have time to start build up the play again. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for us. In the run-up to the game, uh, a lot of focus on the referee, on VAR. It's fair to say that is expected. We got absolutely nothing in terms of like 50-50 decisions on the pitch. VAR appears to, again, have been conspicuously absent in terms of reviews for the pool on Gartenman. Uh, during our first corner in the first half. And then Duke perhaps being taken down by Butland in the in the dying minutes there. I think if we... I don't disagree with any of that, but I think that just detracts and deflects. I, I, obviously, if you get one of those decisions, maybe, but I think over the, over the course of that game, it's not about other people not doing their jobs. It's about us not doing our jobs. Yeah, I was, I'll come on to that in a second there, Gav. But I mean, perhaps nothing sums us up a little bit more than there was an incident in the first half. I think it was Gartenman lost out in a challenge to Seema on the touchline. It's quite close to our byline. Now, at the time, I didn't actually think it was a foul. I thought it, I thought it was fine to go. I thought Gartenman had to be stronger in the challenge, and he wasn't. And the thing is, and I turned to the guy next to me, I was like, I am 99.9% certain if that incident happens at the other end of the pitch. And it's Aberdeen bearing down in the Rangers box. That's going to get pulled up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the major frustration, is it? Because you just see instances of like that happens to Gartman, where it's like it's almost like a I don't know if it's like a pull or it's just like a little <clears throat> kind of body check, or whatever, and it doesn't get given. And then like seconds later, you know, McGrath or whoever knocks down Cantwell, and it's given for a free kick, and that just leads to you just being immensely pissed off. And that obviously happened. It was felt like it happened throughout the game, but I think I share Graham's sentiments that it's the easiest thing in the world to point to VAR or the referee or whatever. Um, yeah, we didn't give ourselves a chance of winning the game to begin with, so it's hard to point the finger too much at him. Um, if you're talking to me about VAR not being up to scratch, then just insert the chorus from No Surprises by Radiohead right here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I'd also say like on the, the refereeing and the, the tackles and whatever... Our our <clears throat> tactics, our style of play, where we're basically always inviting the opposition on and giving the ball away, means that we're always having to be sort of last-ditch tackles or we're under pressure and it's a bit last minute. So it's going to always look a little bit frantic. You know, I guess the more tackles you make, the higher the chances you're going to get some, some wrong. So basically by always inviting the opposition onto us and putting ourselves in a position where we are having to fly in the tackles just plays into their hand as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing for me is I think it's, it's just a complete lack of consistency with these things. Because um, I, I I said at the time, I didn't think the Goldson penalty at Pataudry was a penalty kick. I don't think the tug on Gartenman on Sunday is enough to be a penalty kick. I don't think the tug from, um, I can't remember which Dundee player it was on Sima last week is a penalty kick. But it's just curious that out of those three incidents, two of them are given and one of them is not given. And it looks as though the third one, i.e. one against uh, Gartman at the weekend, doesn't even appear to have been looked at. 
And that's the most frustrating thing, I think, for football fans, isn't it? It's just a complete lack of consistency in the application of what's actually fucking... That's what bothers me. It's like, as soon as the first decision, so the Goldson one, you know, if that, say that happens on the open day of the season and it gets given, then basically what the officials are saying is, you know, it doesn't really matter what the rules say. We've we've deemed that to be a penalty. So anytime that happens, that's, that's the standard for a penalty to be given. And like you say, you go back through examples since, and of course, lo and behold, they're not given. And it won't just impact us over the course of a season, but you know more than likely who who's going to favour. And I think but the, the whole thing is like nobody does anything about it. There's not really much I can do sitting here other than moan into a microphone, but I'm still going to be a chump. I'm still going to go and you know, watch the games, pay my money. The only people that can do this are, in my opinion, the, the people that run the clubs. And nobody ever, nobody ever that. says anything. Nobody yeah. ever puts their head above the parapet. Um, and I guess one of the reasons is the self-preservation because you, you never you look at the way the, re, the league works. The 10 of us can't even agree what we want to gang up on the other two because someone will cave and bottle and shit it because, oh, well, Rangers will threaten to cut their ticket allocation or, like, you know, they won't fill up their home end or whatever it may be. Yeah. I don't know well, how you get out of this. be told you have to rip up your plastic pitch. Well, you know, but, but nobody ever... But it could be. Everyone it's, likes it's... to bitch about it, but no one does anything yeah. about it. I, and I can't... You know, again, the, the officials just get to hide. They don't yeah. have to come out and say, well, okay, here's the two clips together, Goldson and uh, Gartman, for example... And you know, take take someone through why one was given in one way because there there might be some logic or rationale that I'm I'm not getting or something in the rule book that I'm not aware of. I, I don't need to agree with it, but if it can be explained, then you say, well, that's the way it's supposed to operate. Okay, it's a stupid rule. But when they just get to pick and choose, it would appear what they want to give and what they don't want to give, or even review. All it leads to is conspiracy theories yeah and, and, and i know that people will defend stuff like this because it's still ultimately um an individual having to look at something and make it and, and so you're gonna lack a level of consistency between different individuals and how they view things I, and i get that but the, the the biggest problem for me is who was the var at Pataudry for the golden incident I was it was Andrew, Andy Dallas. It was Andrew Dallas. Who was the VAR on Sunday? It was Andrew Dallas. It's the same fucker looking at this thing. Well, so there's the good example where I understand that even between the three of us, we'll watch an incident and we won't all have necessarily the same opinion. But if the same person looks at what would appear to me to be the same thing, other than the fact that it was roles reversed and doesn't give it, again, it just opens up to they're absolutely at it. And I'm not always sure they are. I just don't think they're very good. And I think that's probably nearer to the truth is probably the latter point. And I actually think, and I was laughing because I was listening to a bit of off the ball on the way down the uh, no, not on the way down the road. It was on Saturday I was listening to it. <clears throat> um, and then Steve Conroy and Des Roach, who are two ex-referees who run that who run a podcast. And somebody, you know, quite correctly pointed out to them that, you know, everybody has unconscious biases, right? That's just a fact of human life. But the two of them were arguing on the radio that unconscious bias doesn't exist in the world of referees fuck off I was like fuck right off like 
I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt about, about certain things, but then to come away with shite like that is just like, that's just absolute bollocks. It's just human nature. But the whole proven... point is it's unconscious bias. You don't know it's there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You don't pick like... and choose. It's an absolute nonsense yeah. argument. Like, just be fucking honest about it, you know? Well, like... that's also part of the problem, this whole sort of closed shop. You know, you've got guys, as we say, ex-referees. Yeah, they are ex-refs, yeah. Yeah, but still not willing to actually put the head above the parapet and take a stand because there they are saying, oh, <sighs> everyone else has this problem, but not but not these guys because they're referees, salt the earth. That's why I don't think, that's what I'm more of the opinion that they're just not very good. It also pissed me off and it never got brought up and I wish it had been. Sorry, I'm totally diverging onto a sidetrack here now. But, well, but Stephen, then an added issue into this is that, as Graham's kind of said, they will, they will all just then have each other's backs because you yeah. then look at the, what was the independent review into VAR yeah. and that's all made in Scotland this season and what they've decided, what, two? Two were, were wrong, wrong, I think. And one of them and they decided was wrong was the Miofsky double hit. Apparently it's Simran. And I'm like, how can they do that? Because there, there wasn't, at any point, a clear, definitive angle. Otherwise, it wouldn't that. have been given. Like, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been allowed to stand. So, yeah. uh, they're just fucking idiots. So, so yeah, I've been watching that over and over again to be like, I'd be raging if that was given against me. Like, I, because it looks like a double hit. But even with the, like, trying to be as objective as I possibly could be about it, I remember watching it over and over again and going, I can kind of see why they haven't overruled it because there's not one definitive angle that shows me it's definitely, definitely a double hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to touch on this up quickly because Steve Conway said this thing where he was like, "Oh, like fans would be like, oh, who do you support? Who do you support?" And now I'll openly admit I support Celtic, right? It's okay, fine, great. You're openly admitting it now. But then he says it was, you know, I used to say I supported Dumbarton, and I was like, that doesn't make it any better now because that's just actually showing that you guys were trying to lie about it. Yeah. And then I, then I discovered how many games Steve Conroy refereed that involved Celtic. And I was like, fuck me, that's quite astonishing. Because at least down south, as far as I'm aware, they have to, you know, it, I don't think it gets publicised necessarily, but they have to, um, they have to nominate. You declare, don't you? The PGMOL or whatever it is, or whoever, mm. who it is, so you don't have to referee them and you don't referee like their rivals or whatever in key games. That's fucking a bit mental. Anyway, this is the thing, and Graham, you kind of touched on this as well. The thing is, as a football club, by now, we should realise that you're not going to get decisions in Glasgow against either the Cheeks. You know, any 50-50s are going to go the other way. So you have to put on performances that allows you to overcome that. And having no shots on target in a cup final against anyone, let alone those two, it's just simply not good enough, is it? It was an, it's an interesting tactic to have no shots. I, if I'd known <laughs> after the Hecken game that we'd used up most of our shots, I'd have been telling them to just, just calm down, you know, play that ball back in field, play it back to Roos, <laughs> save some of your shots. Um, so that's, that's that's also kind of my, my point. Yes, some questionable decisions from the referee, but even if you'd got one of them, what would have changed? We might have got a penalty. We might have scored it. We wouldn't have any, had any other shots. We'd have just let them attack us and attack us and we'd have conceded. It's just, it wouldn't have changed the outcome, uh, in my opinion, because it's not about, in those moments, we just don't offer anything at all. And if you do offer something and you're putting the opposition under pressure, even with the refereeing in this country, at some point they're going to get themselves in a the bother and give away a free kick in a position or something like that that you can create an opportunity from. I'm just incapable of doing it. 
without wanting to hark too much back to the days of Fergie, but I, I'm going to come on to it in a little bit more time later on. It is through the mentality that he did have in his Aberdeen team. And this is not about Fergie being the greatest manager of all time. It's around just basically instilling a mentality in your players, in your group that, you know what, chances are the referee's not going to give you very much today. So you need to be better than 12 men to a certain extent. You know, you need to understand you're not going to get those decisions. And we shouldn't feel sorry about it either. You know, like we can we can all sit here now and look back retrospectively on the game and look at those incidents and say that that's, you know, it's not on and it's a disgrace. But ultimately, again, the team have to step up that little bit further to win cups in this country and to beat the teams with the biggest budgets. You have to put in performances that are going to justify that. And I just don't think we did it. Uh, we did, to my mind, Gav, improve a touch when we introduced the changes. Um, but I just found it strange, and you touched on it earlier on, that we hooked Jamie McGrath when I thought he was at least trying to get the ball down and play a little bit. There was a couple of times on the first half up the up the far end touchline where he kind of was able to win throw-ins out of situations that I really didn't think he was going to be able to. Um, I thought it was really odd that he was the guy taking off, or it was for Povara he came off, or wasn't it, I think? I believe um, so, yes. But once again, and you touched on it, you know, Graham Shinney played the full 90, and again, I thought he ran around a lot. I thought he, the effort was there, but I also thought that <clears throat> the game was being played like two or three yards ahead of him. I, I, I never really felt he was really properly in the game very much. I think this, for me, comes down to the fact that Graham Shinney's game time has just been so poorly managed that he is just running, like I say, on fumes. And in a cup final um, on a pitch like Hamden against the Rangers, you need every player firing on all cylinders, uh, both with the ball and, and without. And I just think that Graham Shinney's, I mean, with the exception of Frankfurt and Helsinki, I think he's played pretty much every minute he's probably been available for this season. And he's having to do a lot of donkey work, which he's, yeah, probably too old to be doing at this point. I mean, there's an argument he's made that he's never been able to do that job all by himself. He's needed a Jack, a McLean, um, or even last season, a Ramadani to, to help him out. And, you know, we've spoken about this to death. We never replaced Ramadani um, or a player of that kind of ilk to fit that formation. McGrath's a good player. I've said it before. I'm there now. Oh, Jamie oh. McGrath is a good player. You know what? The scoreboard is null and void. It's irrelevant. <laughs> oh, Gav doesn't want after this. He's he's won he's won me over. There he's we go. absolutely right. won me over. Well done, Jamie McGrath. Defeated in the middle of December. Yeah. We've got wow. to take some positivity out That's of this. That's an absolute pulverizing. Applaud it to here. Can we just like nominate him ABZ FP player of the year right now? If you want, we can do that, Gav. Yep, and we'll and do you can that. go down to Corbett Park and present him with it. But with all your initial preseason and early week <laughs> sound bites playing out over the PA. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But you're right. I touched on somebody today. I was like, the midfield three, it's not that they're bad players. It just doesn't work that mix of the three. It doesn't work. No, absolutely not. Um, McGrath's not that kind. Of, and it's a weird one because like, McGrath's not like a player who's going to shirk challenges or no. shirk the, the defensive side of the game, but he just isn't that kind of you know, 50-50, snap at a tackles, Harry players, kind of player that Ramadani was that worked so well and, you know, let, um, let Leighton Clarkson play as well as he did. So for him to stay on Shinny, and the thing about it also for me is like our passing was so slack whenever we did get yeah. the ball. Um, just so many times that people were taking bad touches or their passes were going astray. And I just felt like in a game like that, when you need a little bit of composure, um, get someone with their foot on the ball, 
we have the perfect player on the bench who's played he played really well against frankfurt he's also tenacious as fuck so he's gonna chase back he's gonna harry he's gonna hassle into the likes of cantwell and um whoever else they had on the pitch at the time so for him to get zero minutes in a game like that is once again absolutely mind-boggling to me i'm really really glad i'm really glad that graham hunter has called this out someone as with the kind of voice that he does has mentioned this because I think it went a little bit unnoticed, but Connor Barron, probably arguably our best player with the ball, and he's got zero minutes in a cup final. In a game like that as well, in a game where, as you say, we were crying out for somebody to just get their foot on the ball, try and just play a couple of passes, like take some of the sting out of, just 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 settle us down a little bit. I don't think at any point I'd love to go back and look at the, the, the data from tomorrow. I don't have it in front of me to see how many times we strung more than like four or five passes together. It'll be minimal. <laughs> I'm not convinced we did it once, you know. Um and I, yeah, I I I just find it mind-boggling that a guy like Connor Barron didn't get minutes yesterday. Um the back line I thought on the whole did fine enough throughout. I thought they dealt with most things. Rubizic had another typically Rubizic game, I thought. Like, I thought he dealt with Dessers really, really, really well for 95% of the game. And then he overcommitted himself on one moment. Um, was it when Dessers went through, I think, possibly? Uh, Dessers goes on the left side and he plays, I think. <clears throat> Did he get a shot away? He might well have done. Is the one that Roos saves? I think it's the one that Roos saves, I think. And it's just that moment, it's like, if if I don't know how many times I'm gonna say this in this podcast, if Ruby can just like sort out this weird need that he seems to have to want to win everything at the first opportunity, he'd be fine. Like I thought he did well yesterday in the main. It's uh, I, it's it's I, a, that Rubizic is a guy that needs an Angus McDonald alongside him. Yes, exactly. Um, because I kind of think a little bit that Matty Pollock might have been a bit like that if it wasn't for the fact that McDonald was alongside him last season. I was quietly convinced that during the final Stramash and then like dying oh. when it's the game that Rubens was actually going to kill someone. I did fucking enjoy that. I'm not going to lie. I'd have just I, let him off the leash. Yeah, I don't know why Roos was holding him back. It was like, there was literally like 30 seconds to go. It was just like, let's just see how many people he could smash here. You say Roos was holding him back. I think Ruby was allowing Roos to hold him back. <laughs> Well, yeah, very true. There was that moment where I was like, let him go. Let's just see what happens here. Like, fuck yeah, it. game's over. Fuck We're it. not just winning this. Let's clean them all out. <laughs> line up 11 Rangers players. How many can, can he take Street Fighter style? Yes. What, what, sort of, what is the maximum ban that the SFA can administer? Because we're about to find out. Um, but yeah, I thought, I mean, like, Jensen, Gartenman, um, Ruby, I thought they did okay. I thought they were fine. No, no major issues, I don't think, from them. I think, yeah, generally speaking, I mean, it's a weird one when you play a back five and you find a number of your defenders getting isolated quite as easily as we do. Like Seema, they were always getting the ball out to him and he would yeah. always square up um, Garterman and I don't think Garterman dealt with him especially well to begin with. Um, a little bit of a kind of, I don't know, a bit of a metaphor for the game. It was not, not really about trying to win the ball for Steph and Garterman. A lot of times it was just about trying to bring Seema down to halt the attack for now and then see what happens later. Uh, but as the game went on, you know, I guess in the second half, they did have more shots on goal. Roos did have more saves to make. But yeah, I would say they've stuck to their task um, pretty admirably. Um, I think as we'll repeat, hammer this point to death. Um, 
only so much you can do when you just invite the opposition on for wave after yeah. wave of attack. They're eventually going to break you down or you're going to get a free kick on the edge of the box for the likes of Tavernier Barisic to get shots away. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I can't really fault them. Um, Devlin as well, I thought played pretty well. Yeah, and yeah. Um, took a real fucking sore one from was it Seema or was it Sterling? Um, oh, um, in the first Jesus. half, the elbow in the face. Oh, um, I can't, I can't think of who that was, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, that was a sore one. Put his head in where it kind of hurts as well for that one. Um, yeah, I mean, we've already touched it. Strikers had absolutely fucking naffle to work with. Um, yeah. for the entire game, so that's like, what would you expect people to do from that uh, perspective? Um, no, um, yeah, like I say, best attacker, best striker, and however many years completely nullified by not rangers yeah. our ta- our tactics and that's the thing that hurts the most indeed um perhaps <laughs> it feels really weird saying this after a cup final defeat to them but perhaps in a weird way the most galling thing about the entire day yesterday was once again what kind of came after the game um some of the manager's post-match comments, in particular the one that was put out by PLZ, is just fucking terrible stuff. The, the the sheer thought of ever hearing any Aberdeen manager say what he did about, you know, us having no right to go down there and run the whole game, and that was a inverted commas, proper team we were playing, was like to my mind just really sickening. It's I don't think Graham, you and I spoke this before Gav joined, like <coughs> I don't think any Aberdeen fan really expects us to go to Hamden and completely run the game and dominate the game. I just think the Aberdeen fans expect us to go and have a fucking go in a cup final. I think that's fair. And actually, do you know, I don't even think it's about being an Aberdeen fan. Don't want to sound any like time, really yeah, entitled. Yeah. Any any team that's in a cup final, both sets of fans are going to expect you to turn up and have a go and try and win the thing. That's the point of being in the finals, down to one game. It, Yes, you've got to be mindful of resources, etc. But the gap, the gap between Rangers and Aberdeen is not as big as the gap between Rangers and I don't know if Livingston had made it, for example. So there might be a different approach or expectation level as to what they would see on the pitch from the fan base. But ultimately, any set of fan going down, expect your team to try and take a game to the to the opposition. Now, whether that's over the ninety, if you are deemed to be the the better team, or whether it's in spells or you try and get through the first half whatever it may be to, to be basically completely impotent for 90 minutes is not what any fan base would accept so I don't think this is necessarily Aberdeen fans you know oh, demanding right. too much but you're right I've seen that quote now I've only seen that section so I suppose if I was being extremely generous I don't have any context if it's applicable to the line of questioning before but for any manager to basically say hey, I don't know what people are complaining about. Isn't it wonderful we made it to a final? It's just, it's not only is it pathetic, it's tragic. What message does that send to the players? What sort of standards does that set? Like, it's all right, guys. You know, you you got out of bed in time, you made the bus, you turned up, um, but we go, we go again. That's not the, it's not the marketing drivel that has been coming out of the club for the last few years, and it's not what people put their, it's not why people put their hard-earned cash on the table for tickets for that sort of shite. My biggest takeaway from these comments when I saw them, when I got home about half past 10 last night, was if that's the way Barry Robson feels, honestly feels, 
and let's just say in a hypothetical world that we make it back to Hamden for a semi-final or a final and we're playing Rangers or Celtic in Glasgow, is that the same approach I can expect from Aberdeen? Because if it is, the logical part of my brain says, well, why would I fucking bother? The part of me that's like Graham, who's an absolute fucking chump, will be there thinking that things will be different this time. Oh, Graham, a chump. Why? Well, that's Graham's own words. More than Graham's, Graham's own words just a few minutes ago. Who, who do you think uh, you are? Yes, you're, you're, you're Derek Adams' wet dream. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, there are parts of that game where I was thinking Derek Adams might be on something here, actually. Um, yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't honestly believe that he would come away and say that. But then I remember myself, this is the same guy that spoke after a 2 0 defeat at Rugby Park and said, well, the thing about it is you can't play through them. So yeah, that's why you have to go over them. That's so why am I necessarily surprised? He's come away with some absolute perlers uh, this season alone. Um, so yeah, I'm extremely but, disappointed. I've seen people saying that it's, um, those comments alone are a sacking level offense. And I've got news for you. It isn't because <laughs> as it turns out, the board are more than happy with what the guy's doing. Uh, go back to the AGM just a few days ago. Well, also wanted something else in a minute. We'll talk touch on that. But yeah, and also, I, would just, I, would, I would just say <laughs> the last thing: like it's the third full time manager of Aberdeen in a row who I feel has drastically failed as manager of Aberdeen in his post match comments. I think to Glass after the Ojo incident. I think to Lee Sharp after Tanadice. And this is now by Robson's little <laughs> Lee Sharp moment. I forgot all about Lee Sharp. Um, yeah, because I was joking. So, um, as some people have been aware who follows on Twitter or whatever. I was in hospitality at Hamden, yes. And I turned to a bunch of people and I was like, I can't wait for him to come out in the post-match and talk about how great it is because this lot just beat Betis, right? And then he appeared in the fucking TV screen and talked about, well, you know, this team just beat Real Betis. And it's just like, oh my God, I just, I can't deal with this any longer. The other bit that annoys me, and this is where he probably doesn't mean this like this, right? Because I think to think that there's been this level of thought gone into the words he's used would be extremely generous, but words do matter. The inference is when he says that's a proper team we're playing is that we aren't a proper team, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, is it any fucking wonder that our team don't look like they believe they can win games like this? If this is what they're hearing on a fairly frequent basis. Well, that's that's why I question is that if he's willing to put that into a public domain, like a post-match press conference, there's that little part of it that wonders, is he saying this to the players behind <laughs> closed doors? Is he saying you're lucky to be here, lads? If the only chance we have is, you know, they miss a handful of chances and we might, might just get a set piece or, uh, you know, a sclaff or a long ball might just come through I'm good this one time. Um, you think about, I mean, you were harking back to Ferguson and his mantras of going to Glasgow. I think of the chat you have from all the players when it comes to Gothenburg, that it wasn't about tactics or player identification or anything like that. It was just about instilling the belief in the players that they could simply win the game, beat a team like Real Madrid. So to go from that and then, you know, 40 years on, 40 year celebrations where we all, get together and celebrate that magnificent achievement. Uh, we've got a manager saying, yep, Rangers second string are better than pretty much our first string team. 
Because well, it's a second string Rangers team. It's like a fucking third and fourth string Rangers team being thrown together. All of our best players were basically available to play. Um, he also did chose to not play at least two of them. I think you could probably argue. Um, yeah, I, I, I shake my head. Shakes my head. What I don't understand, Graham, as well is like Barry Robson as a player, a winner. Yeah. Well, came across as a born winner. Would kick his granny when a game of football. Nasty bastard. And I'm really baffled by this deference that's now appears to have appeared now that he's in the manager's hot seat. Um I didn't expect it from him. And I suppose just, you know, to be absolutely clear, like what we did in the past, to you know, it's, it's irrelevant. It's so long ago and the club's different, the the game is different, Scotland's sort of place in the football order. Is different, but it all boils down to. Although we are coming back, <laughs> well, we're going somewhere. Germany twenty four. If if the man in charge, if his attitude and his wording is such that we're just nowhere near good enough, so I don't know why people are complaining. Well, that's my my take from it. Then I don't see what chance you've got. The thing for me is you're right in the sense that the game's different and everything. But I also would, I would counter that to say that it's incumbent upon the people in charge of a football club, whether that's the chairman, the chief exec, the first team manager, to make fans dream and make them believe that you can do something. Not necessarily in like the most, you know, outlandish way. Are we going to win the league? It's very unlikely. You know, with resources over the course of a over the course of a thirty-eight game season, it's very unlikely, right? Because we all know how it usually works. But in a cup final, you know, like fuck me, we should be entitled to turn up to cup semifinals and cup finals and believe we can win these games, um, and that we're gonna have a fucking goal at winning these games, and not just be well. Hopefully, with any luck, Jack Button will smash one at his own net, and we'll just defend for our lives and fucking hope for the best, lads. Like it's just. I, it just doesn't send out the right messages to me at all. And it becomes very difficult, I think, for the club to then justify how the fuck you sell season tickets. And I don't disagree. I suppose I should have said things are different as in, yet yeah, we will never yeah. be competitive in Europe. I don't see us ever winning the league. But yeah, cup finals, one-off. I don't think the gap is so big for these one-off games that we shouldn't be able to have some sort of ambition as a club or a desire to go and actually compete and try and make a competitive fixture of it rather than just this sort of shite that's been served up. I mean, but it's not just Robson, actually, if you take no, it's not. a step back. There's a fundamental, I don't know where it comes from, or maybe, I guess, if you look at the managers, they're all, or in general, you know, the cup final managers being Scottish managers, so they have this natural, oh, shit, it's Rangers or Celtic, we can't do anything about them. But I guess it just goes back to, if that's the message from Sunday... Is that really like if I'm if I'm on the board, almost setting aside the results? Say we've been results been better and we're doing well in the league. I'd still be taking him in and saying, "What the hell? Did, what the hell was that? That was an absolute abomination of an interview." And if you ever, yeah. if that's your actual belief, then we're gonna have to have a chat. And if you've just huh? botched it, you know, it's like botchamania. Here's a written warning. Any of that yeah, shit again, and you're done. But the yeah, fact but... that he says that when that seems to reflect his style that we have seen this season and the results aren't good enough. It just all looks like a guy who doesn't believe 
himself that the club should be competitive. Yeah, but Graham, you say that, but you know that if he was to do that, if Cor was to pull him in and do that, Robson would just be armed with like a tape recorder, Simpson style. Well, I took the liberty of recording this interview and it's sports sound when he goes on and has a pop after the Dundee game. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's that uh, thing. It's just like, I don't know. I just, uh, I just find the whole thing fucking bewildering, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, it, it, it gives you absolutely no belief to that we are going to, as I say, if we get back to the Scottish Cup final again, what chance are we going to have? Because what I take from it is that we're going to, unless there's a seismic change of the squad in January, we're going to play the exact same way. And yeah. we're giving ourselves absolutely no chance once again. Which we'll also come on to in a minute. I think as well, it's like, it's just, it's like the club are happy to just be in semi-finals and finals. Like, not actually win the fucking thing. It's like, getting to finals, fine. That's that's good enough. And it's like, I don't know. For me, <clears throat> getting to finals is only any good if you win the thing. You might as well just go in the third round, otherwise. Like, I know, I'm always... It doesn't conf- matter. Like, you, did you win it? No, I didn't. Right. Well, did, I know, I think that's <clears throat> like, regardless of any defeat, um, I think everyone will have a different view as to how angry they are, but everyone's going to be disappointed or annoyed that they didn't win because that's just the way it goes. But I think it's the way we just go out with a whimper is what annoys me yeah. more than yeah. anything else. And then nobody seems to be too concerned about that. You know, yeah. I just think to you take, you take this, the, uh, the interview as an example, you know, where, the chairman, when it's going well, has his login details, um, and now I don't know they've been misplaced. We don't hear anything from, but but in a few months' time, when um, when they want our money, the, the hype machine will go again. And but every season that goes by, when you just don't, you know, when they just don't deliver, it's just harder to get going, and it's harder to put the time and money in because it's harder to see, you know. That there's anything believable yeah i mean comes from anyone s- someone made the comment to her i can't remember who it was but you know the, the fundamental thing that happened when cormac took charge of the club is we got rid of a manager who tended to get to semi-finals and finals and typically lose them and our game our our aim was to to be better than that and here we are three yeah. years later however much money we've spent down the fucking drain and we're no better, and the football's no better either. Uh, I mean, the football's <laughs> the football's as bad as I can remember. Like, I'm thinking almost back to some of the dark days of Alex Miller. I mean, listening, I, I put myself through the ringer earlier today and watched some of the highlights back of the game, and yeah, you, you actually heard, you know, pundits and stuff referring to us as a long ball team, and I was just like, like the heart just like sank so much at the sheer prospect of us just being. <laughs> described as that it's just uh even worse i, I don't mind being described as that i've said if you've set up to do it but what's more <laughs> I know. unbelievable is that i don't think the level of punditry actually just in general not just picking on scotland is particularly good no one really offers anything that i think oh wow other than just generic phrases but when they're all saying as i've heard them saying more than one occasion i don't know what they're trying to do here is this all they do every week just shell it that is I've Such never heard that indictment. about us before. Well, that's a damning indictment from... And it's being pointed out in Scottish football. 
where there's a yes. where there's a where there's a lot of direct football played. There's a pretty high tolerance yeah. for that generally being. We are being singled out as being hoofball merchants. Like that to me, I'm like fucking hell. How bad are we? Some of the nonsense in a league that has Craig Levine as a manager, <laughs> and we are the ones being singled out for that Craig, sort of style of play. Craig Levine is on track to take St Johnston to Europe. By the way, the way he's the way he's going right now. Jesus <laughs> Christ, this is also true. <laughs> I mean, is this not also part of the problem? Though? I mean, like you know, today. You know, hurts were extremely well placed. I feel like sources. I want you to bring up the old, uh, the old philosophy. What the philosophy I want you to bring up the ten point philosophy. <laughs> I can't be arsed, but quickly just on this today, like this is the bit that almost concerns me more than anything else over the course of the weekend. Is like heard today from an extremely well placed source about the fact that senior people at the club are bewildered. And seem to think the fans have too high expectations. They're bewildered about the fact that the support seems to be miffed about yesterday and the season in general so far. And there seems to be a view that Robinson's doing miles better than his predecessors. I mean, that's what, a massive your concern. Point? I don't know. I was just like, surely to fuck nobody in the club is sitting watching this and going, this is all right. This is good. Well, they are because you heard the chairman say it himself with his own words at the AGM. I know. Well, I know and. They've massaged the figures, I think it's fair to say, in terms of when he pointed out, was it the 43% is the highest or the joint highest or second highest win percentage rating of any permanent manager since 1990 or something. But it's like, it's a very selective pool of data you're coming from there. And bearing in mind, we've been utter shit for the most part since the 1990s until now. So it's not really a high bar you're having to clear. And also, if you just took Robson's stats since he became permanent manager, he'd be joint worst with Mark McGee. So it's like, it's the whole classic ebb statistics miniskirt piece. All of, yeah, the beauty of the statistics and the, the data is you can spin it whatever way you want or you can interpret it any way you want. But the, the facts are, didn't progress from the Europa League group stage, which to be fair, I would not have expected before. Now, as the way, you know, as, as it turned out, I think we had a decent, with a decent chance, but I'm willing to say at the outset of the conference league, like, well, I never thought we'd get out of the group. So I can kind of live with that. Losing the cup final is extremely frustrating and I can't accept the manner of the defeat because it didn't really seem like there was any effort to actually be competitive and the league position well, how do is you not good enough and is worse than it has been. So on no measurable, I just don't see how overall you can take the season to date and... Give the old Borat a great success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that is, it's a massive concern that there are people at the club actually sitting going, hey, he's doing a way better job than the guys before him. Like, well, I mean, I mean, I would just look he? at I would just look at these guys' track record as a party managers and mm, I don't really and then ask you why you're surprised. I don't know why I'm surprised. I think I'm just like so just bemused by the entire thing to hear that. It's just like fucking hell. How and it's almost like we've got people running our football club who don't know how to run a football club. <laughs> it's just like, how much are you fu- burying, funk it? How much are you just burying your head in the sand about this whole thing? Oh, That's the thing. Absolutely, we're doing. Um, and it'll stay buried for quite some time, yeah. And we're going to come on to that in a minute or two. I mean, like, all in all, I felt Sunday was a massive opportunity missed for us to lift the trophy. I don't think we'll have a better chance to beat that lot in a cup final anytime soon um i mean there's loads of pressure on robson all over again now isn't there i mean like 
that's just the fact of the matter is, and it's also Europe's finished with, the final was being held up as a thing that we had to kind of rally behind. And I think once again, we as the fans did that. I think most people parked a lot of their reservations about Robson as well in the week running up to the cup final. I think everybody went to that final, you know, to be fully behind the team and, and, and stay with the team right through the game because contrary to what Barry Robson thinks, nobody expected us to go to Hamden and dominate the game. We were all expecting we'd have to hang in there a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so the fans have done their part. Once again, and Graham, you've touched on this a lot this season about how the fans did their part in the summer. Um, you know, record season ticket sales record shirt sales people have traveled all over not just scotland but all over europe to go and follow the team in big numbers robson's now got a huge five games ahead of this winter break doesn't he um if he's going to get the fans back on side and look to get us back up the table he kind of needs almost maximum points out of these five games doesn't he i, I think i don't know can, about that. can he get the fans back on side i think it'd be tough but like so I kind of think like all the the excuses, which was Europe, you know, it's done now, which I can't, I still can't really accept why that was an excuse because supposedly that's where we want to be as a club. But it's done now. That's out the window. Not an excuse. League Cup finals gone. So it's just, it's just the league. Um, three out of the five games are at home, oh, which you've been on, telling we, us. We do, we do have a Scottish Cup tie with Clyde to look forward to. For the remainder of the year, it's just the league. <laughs> And three out of the five games are at home, which is what he's been telling us that, that we need. So he's got five games with no other distractions. Now, obviously, they come in a relatively short period of time, so I'm sure there'll be some bump in the gums about that. But everyone else has got to deal with it. So, yeah, I think he's... I feel like for a, probably for the fan base, it's not far off make or break, because if we can get, I don't know, nine, 12 points out of that, you're probably right back in the hunt. I guess depending on how other results go. But anyway, all you can worry about is your own stuff. You'd be you'd be feeling a lot better after that. And then that might give you some optimism going into the second half of the season that you've, you know, you've got the league to focus on, okay, you've got the Scottish Cup, but where we've maybe got something salvageable here. If we don't come out of this next run of games with probably that sort of point haul and there's defeats more than draws, it's gonna be really, really, really tough. And then at what point is there enough of a sample size? that just says this isn't going to work? Um, in the case of our ownership, roughly 11 months wow. is the theme. Um, I think almost for him with the fans, I mean, against Kilmarnock, you you heard the chant of, of Robson get to fuck um, at the end, of the end of the game. And I tend to believe that once you are on the receiving end of that from the fans, then it's going to be very, very difficult to to bring them back. And I think it's just going to be a game by game basis for the time being. Um, Livingston is up first on Wednesday. Livingston who scored nine goals in 16 games in the league. I don't think they scored a goal in seven games. So if you just imagine for a split second that Livingston can win this game by a goal to nil, I think it'll be yeah for Robson with the fans irretrievable, but the board seem so enamored with them. I still struggle to see what will change i think we'll just continue to back him yeah i, I agree that we're probably we're probably into game game to game territory here aren't we that i went on wednesday if we okay, lose to live it all does, livingston. just pushes out but if, if, you, if you do so your point's good if you do lose to livingston a team that hasn't scored in i think you're right seven games down in the bottom of the table if they come up here and 
get any sort, arguably any sort of result. Uh, that's you know, it's just another, it's just another game goes by where what excuses and at what point does someone realise that this is this is just what we're going to get from him? And if he gets the win, then you should be getting that win, and it doesn't really change. It doesn't make him. Yeah, a good manager all of a sudden it just means okay that game's done three points that's great that's what you'd expect but then you're on to Dundee and yeah away from home but again if you're going to do anything in the league anyone you're competitive with is generally going to be beating Dundee home and away so it just goes into the next game and if you don't get the result pressure's on again well I had somebody today talking to me message about you know like you know if we smash Olivia and then beat Dundee everything looks a bit better again I was like well maybe but the but, time being, yeah. But at the same time, I'd, I'd count that with exactly what you said. There's like, what if we draw against Livingston and get beat by Dundee at Dens, which is not out with the realms of possibility. I could, I could easily see Livy come up here, park the bus on Wednesday night, and get away with a nil-nil draw. And Dundee, to be fair to them under Tony Doherty, are doing they're doing pretty well on the return. And Dens hasn't been a, a happy hunting ground for us in recent seasons, um, despite our previous excellent record at Dens. So, I mean, like, it's all, it does feel great, like you said earlier. We're almost back to, you know, that Jim Goodwin, Stephen Glass, match by match type scenario all over again. And we all know, generally speaking, how these things pan out from that perspective. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just reinforce that I think that's a fan perspective. I don't think that's a perspective shared by the board. So in a lot of way, this discussion is largely immaterial and redundant. So Quite let's possibly. move on. Well, yeah, let's move on to, to listener's corner. Um, or are we I not going to do a top don? Uh, do you want to do top don, Gavin? Kelders. Oh. <laughs> Kept us in the I, game. I thought he should do better at the goal. I think he takes his hands away from didn't, it. Didn't really see it that well, but he, uh, he kept us in it up until that point. So I also think he's entitled to expect his defence to defend. Nah, and Bolvara to not let the guy just waltz past him. So I'm not also, sure I want to rip into Roos for that one. We'll never catch Fair. on that. Fair, yeah. Um, <laughs> give it to Rubis. It's just from wanting to take on the entirety of the Sevco side in the last few minutes. Um, it was a man who at least cared, which was something that was um, worth to see. Anyway, let's um, let's quickly move on. Listeners' corner. Before we move on to actual voice notes that came in, I have to read this one out because. Um, this one came from Mark, the big sexy Simpson. So it's quite a lengthy WhatsApp message, to be fair, but um, I, I thought that there were certain things in here which were possibly worth touching on. Um, Mark's just asking, you know, how many clearly incorrect VAR decisions do we have before the club actually does something about it? If Duke's legs aren't taken away from him by Butland, he scores. It's that simple. Robson didn't even mention it, which is an interesting point, Graham. You and I touched on this earlier on. Rather than him doing the whole fucking... Oh, isn't it great? We're playing Rangers here at Hamden and what a fucking fantastic occasion it's been. And they're a proper team, by the way. He could have just fucking had a rail about VAR and refereeing. And it would just completely deflected all the attention away about how piss poor a performance it was. Um Mark just continues. Sorry, Gavin. I know you want to I'll, I'll let let me finish Mark's train of thought and we'll come back to it. Uh, we were shafted against Pauk as well, twice, not a penalty to Pauk. And Mackenzie's wipe out in the box. I did think it was a penalty. I mean, it Pauk, was a penalty to Pauk. Yeah, but Mackenzie should have been. We've been shagged twice against Sevco by terrible officiating. The Gartenman one is slightly more acceptable as he wasn't near the ball, but neither was Goldson at Pataudry. Dallas was the VAR official for Goldson's. And again, yesterday we touched on this. Why was this one given, not the other? We deserved absolutely nothing from the game yesterday, but neither did Sevco. They were slightly less shite than us. Probably fair. Uh, but if Duke gets a penalty, Miofsky converts it, we're in the ascendancy. Why the hell haven't the club called it out? 
Sevco sent a fucking eight-point dossier to the SFA after the, that came up at Audrey. I'm not saying to do that, but enough is enough. Uh, and there was lots more, um, I'll, I'll be honest, um, but that's probably the, the, the guts of it. He did want me to try and get a reference to the sweet chin music in here. I don't know how I'm going to do that. <clears throat> um, which Aberdeen player is most likely to have used the sweet chin music as a finishing move? Um, geez, oh, uh, Miofsky. Got a good solid left foot on him. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Graham? I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you know Shawn Michaels with the, the Heartbreak Kids? No? I'm aware of Shawn Michaels, but that's where the <laughs> awareness begins and ends. There we go. I would have gone with... I'd gone with Jane McGrath. Top of the technique, I think. Oh, with the techers. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I think we kind of touched on a lot while Mark came onto there. Um... <clears throat> It will be interesting to see if we decide to do a little bit more on the VAR stuff in the course of the week, but I doubt we will now because I think the, we the, won't. the we moment won't. of that has gone. We don't, we don't do this. I mean, I think back even again, like Stephen Glass didn't rail against Bobby Madden's decision to send off Funzo Ojo. We fucking said Funzo Ojo could have done more to stop it. That's right. So that. this is not, we're a very, very, <laughs> a very, very deferential club in this way. And yeah, nothing will be said. Nothing has well, been I said. Actually, I, it's, like, are, it's like, are we the establishment club in a way? Because we're just like, so just like, yes, sir, fine, no problem. Like, well, wherever you want. Well, we are, actually, because, <laughs> we are because they do consider league reconstruction any time that we're going down. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Even this year, when you're only five points away, they're like, Livingston, I think you might need to rip up your pitch. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, I don't think the way to do it is for us to start moaning because if there's only one voice, who cares? The yeah. only way you've got the chance to do it is ideally to get all the clubs, but that will never happen because two of them benefit from us. You'd have to get the other nine and then the 10 of you would have to be, but you have to have some sort of lever to pull. There's no point in all mourning about it. And then the SFH is like, ha ha ha, fuck you. And then just go and make the same decisions every week. You've got to have some sort of yeah. But where yeah. do you go to? Where do you escalate it to? And that'll be the problem. Someone will fold early on, and then as soon as someone does, you know, it's like a house of cards. No one, there's no way you'll get a group of chairmen to work together against those two or against the SFA. It just will never happen. If only one football club had had the chance to change that voting structure. Oh yeah. <laughs> who was that again um like quickly on to, yeah quickly on to quickly on to Lissa's corner um our our pal bobby soggy biscuits left us a note with his thoughts on well yesterday to use a word that barry uses often frustrated uh that game was there for the taking i thought shit it's rangers team in a long time and We've not even tested them at all. Yes, we can sit here and wax all lyrical about shite refereeing decisions, but that's the norm now. Um, against a shite Rangers team like that, we should have been going for the jugular, and we only seem to pipe up in the last five minutes to even look to be arsed doing anything. 5-3-2, counter-attacking, hoofball, whatever you want to call it. It's just not what anybody signed up for, not what was promised either. Baron and Polvara not even getting a sniff. It's beyond me, to be honest. We're not going to see the back of Robson now until probably January, February sort of time. Again, not really want to be 
wanting to force changes, but the style of football needs to change, that's for sure. That was just fucking pish. There's no better word for it. This hoofball is just getting on my last tit, to be quite honest. Um, all I can say is onward and upwards, I suppose. A really unusually positive little ending <laughs> note there. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I know. How many hoofball is fucking pish. Anyway, onward and upwards. <laughs> well, I would have to tits, be honest. How, how many tits does one have to be onto your last tit? Well, there is that. And when he started with the word, Robson used to say, don't tell me he's tired as well. <laughs> I thought he was going to say transition. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think we probably, um, it's probably fair to say we empathize. I think it's probably fair to say that one. I think we've probably covered a lot of that already during the course of the evening. Um, I don't have much more to add to that, is there? No, I, mean, I, I, I think I agree like, with all of that. I mean, he's commenting that it's a counter attacking football, but that's not, we don't play counter attacking football. That's not what we do. We simply win possession and are on third and then hoof it long to uh, to the two poor bastards up front, or in some cases, the one poor bastard up front and just hope he can perform miracles on his own. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely hoofball rather than uh, any kind of, you know, prime Alex Ferguson my night counter-attacking sh- shit going on here. I did get reminded about this earlier on. Remember there was a period where uh, Cormac was insistent that Barry had spent a lot of time watching Marcelo Bielsa uh, studied him, idolized him. Yes. I think it was a word once used. Yeah, and it hit me yesterday at Hampton. I just at that moment been like, it's funny. I, I don't remember any of Marcelo Bielsa's teams playing like this. But he never said studying and watching him from a football point of view, did he? Well, he doesn't sit in an upturned bucket. So yeah, he's but not I don't know. Maybe he's either. just watching him chin pints or something. <laughs> Yes, um, that's or true. maybe or, he was studying him and learning what not to do. Maybe it was a different Marcelo Bielsa. Is there a second Marcelo Bielsa? Quite possible. Well, he does like spying, sort of thing. So he should have a doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, like you know, famous in the Argentinian leagues for his Route One style that we just don't know about. To um, his to his less than adequate strikers for that uh, for that particular <laughs> game plan. Just so bemused, but it's, it's hit me yesterday. It's the things that happen when you're blutered and watching horrendous football happen in front of you. Anyway, uh, Ian Taylor. All right, boys. Oh, eat, yes, oh, Ian. I spent a good part of 12 hours leaving home and then getting back home at night. I feel you. For fucking nothing. I'd been looking forward to that all week. I was feeling pretty positive. I felt we had the best, one of the best chances we've had for a long time to win. Last well, mistake right there. Because of the manager's approach. How is this, is this being recorded from like Exodus? That's Brightside playing in the background. I don't want to say enough is enough. Because I think, I think yesterday, yesterday really turned a lot of people against Robson. Even like the diehards. Who do you think could come in and do a job? I think we need somebody really experienced and somebody who's got a really strong mindset. You'll go for it no matter what. Like to know your thoughts on who could be the next manager. Cheers. Oh, poor Ian. I feel you, mate. Like that's a hoarse voice. He's having to listen to the killers. It's. I think before we answer this question, maybe someone should check. He's all right. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a man who's not enjoyed his Sunday. 
No, I don't blame him. I, like, I, feel no, no, I, don't blame I, him I did the exact same thing. That was 12 hours of my day, you know. It's the hope that kills Largely you. built around watching that fucking nonsense. Um, I, I felt the exact <laughs> same way as far as just believing that it's it's the hope it's the it's the feeling of like what will it be like if we actually do win this game because that's where you're going wrong gavin with this because we have it's been too long since we won you know the league cup our one league cup in what was that 19 years so let's add another 10 onto that so our one league cup in basically 30 <laughs> at this point and it, it does mean a little bit more because it was rangers that we were up against and yeah to just put in that kind of performance it's just that's what's hurting me so much but it's interesting that you said that a lot of diehards these maybe robson's maybe lost you do see on people on twitter who are trying to argue robson's case so i'm not completely convinced this is the um unanimous verdict that some people are making out to be i'm not sure it's quite hit the nadir yet but it surely must be fucking coming at some point because i've seen some people which i defend that yesterday on the basis of oh it was fine margins and stuff no money I see fine margins when you don't have a shot on target in 90 minutes. Like, for me, fine margins is, you know, you've had a, a goal ruled offside, ruled out for offside, which was really, really, you know, marginal call. Or you've really had, a, you've hit the post twice. The keepers had a bunch of great saves. They've gone up the park and fucking scored. Like, that for me is like marginal. Like, they didn't have a shot on fucking target in 90 minutes. And I will put out, I mean, like Ian's saying there about that, I've been like, <clears throat> and we joked before we came on air. That's twice now this season that my son has been in fucking tears about this Aberdeen team. So I feel now I'm starting to have a personal vendetta about this. Um, or it's the start of my son's fucking villain arc away to start kicking in right about now. <clears throat> but um, it, Ian posed the big question. The big question, which neither of us are, or none of us are here to possibly adjudicate on, but we're going to have a fucking bash at it anyway. If he was to be given the hoof, who would you want in? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> I know it's the problem. My I mean, please. it's the same situation. There's no one in the Scottish game that stands out to me as a perfect candidate. <laughs> um, down the road as well, likewise. Maybe Martindale would be cheap. So, um, yeah. Um, and you can speculate and come up with all the and nice fancy names from Scandinavia or Portugal or whatever you want to call it, but I don't think the club are interested in it either. <clears throat> I think um, I think he's right about the sense of, I think, <laughs> let's be honest, this is not a, like, if moment anymore. Is it? This is a when at this moment in time right now. Is anyone really in any doubt about that? I don't, I don't I think it's that. I no. really think, I really think the board are just going to continue to back him and back him and back him. Oh, not me. If it does come around, surely this is the time that they need to, you know, I, I look at how much we've invested in the playing squad over the last two seasons in particular now. And I, there is part of me that goes, can we, can, can Davey go and find a receipt from Kjortzik and see if we can get a refund on Papi Habib Gay and use that half million quid to go and appoint a decent manager? Like we we were spending big on players, but we seem to be neglecting to spend big on the guy who's managing them. I'm sure that um, the Belgian club will have erased all trace of <laughs> Habib Gay from their databases and be that, like that sorry. money back guarantee expired thirty days after purchase. I'm, I'm sorry, Papi Habib who? Uh, no, mate, never never heard of him, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just 
let's be honest, like Davy Cormack's got a pretty horrendous record already of appointing managers with the best will in the world. And for all the good he does, Alan Burroughs' record at Motherwell was less than stellar when it came to appointing gaffers. So uh, I don't think we've got the, and well, whatever role Stephen Gunn will play, Stephen Gunn will play. But I don't think we've got the people in, in the position to make that decision who know how to go about identifying a really good manager. I think what will be interesting is that, I mean, I think it was well <clears throat> documented at the time Robson got the job that they were looking at much more kind of data-driven and, and almost following the same approach that they're taking on player Happy recruitment. Happy Habib Gay. <laughs> player recruitment to managerial recruitment. And I think... Or Daria. It would be interesting, though, to see, to see if they did actually grab the, the you know, grab the bull by the horns a little bit here this time round and, and do something a little bit different. Because as you're right, Gav, there's nobody on the current Scottish managerial merry-go-round that really ticks the boxes. Um, Levine? <laughs> <coughs> a manager on an upward trajectory? A master of hoofball? Let's get Mark Tabriz back in. Let's get the band back together. <laughs> Um, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Graham, do you, uh, anyone you want to venture forward? I mean, the big, the big chance. Marty gone. Fucking ruin that. Um, and then, Zidane's still free. Yeah, Mick Bale got picked up by Sunderland. The poor bastards. Do you fancy a little bit of the Tony Mowbray action? I tell you nope. what, if, if Mowbray was interested in what nope. had to come, nope. I, I'd be okay with it. Nope. No, 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 Graham. Nope. Nope. Have you got a thing about? Chordy men who... Oh, it's just the same old shite. He was up here before, didn't do anything. I thought his, his Hibs team did pretty well, to be fair. But did they win? Zilch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what did his Celtic team win? Uh, that doesn't really... That how, argument how doesn't many, fly how many, up here. How many promotions does his Middlesbrough team have? It just doesn't... I just don't yeah. get it. I just don't see it at all. Yeah. But there's nobody... He's a promoting youth and his Hibs team was... He tries to play good football, so... Oh, that's well. That's fine then. So we'll, we'll finish eleventh, but we'll, we'll be playing good football. I wouldn't be adverse <laughs> to the Mowbray show, but he wouldn't be my number one choice. He wouldn't be on my list. Sixty-year-old Tony Mowbray for me does not fit in with our. Um, um, yes. Philosophy. Yes. To be fair, Gavin, yes. Nothing at the moment fits in with our philosophy. So uh, let's be honest. The there's there's nobody. The there's nobody in the league or leagues that I can think of. It's really doing anything that makes me think that's that's the guy that we should be after. There are managers having you, decent seasons, but, but you say it's that, either you I do say, say that. that. But there's a there's a young up and coming man up and coming manager in the championship. He's got his team currently sitting in second place in the championship with a, having just lost a home game to the rivals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, got a good yeah. track record. Uh, Media savvy, <laughs> knows the club. <laughs> It was a club. Yeah. A yeah, good football maybe, man. Maybe not. Yeah. Talks a good game. Has a very light coaching staff. Yeah. Not not my first choice. <laughs> um anyway, fuck me. Right, we'll try to make a bit of light of this, but that was just really gutting on Sunday, wasn't it? Let's be honest. That was just shite. Made all the yeah. worse by the fact that Ilba Ramadan scored a last minute winner for Lecce on the Saturday. You oh, know, that, goal, like, that, that, that goalkeeper, by the way. Fucking I hell. I don't want to cast Someone... suspicions about match fixing and say, uh, but. Someone get a look at that guy's bank account for some suspicious transactions. 
Yeah. But you know, we're just like, oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> just reminding me all over again. Anywho, right. Let's move on quickly. Um, we talked on it earlier on. Five games now between now and the, the, the winter break. So if the season has to be turned around, if the wheels are to be pulled up on this thing, it's going to have to start on Wednesday evening as the Lions of Livingston head north. Um, Livy, we just touched on it earlier on. Five points from safety at the bottom of the table. And that's quite an achievement in December to be five points adrift of the league this fucking pish. Um, no wins in the league since the 7th of October. All right, Derek, settle down. Fucking hell. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I embrace how rubbish our league is. Right? I think you made a good point with this, Gav. It's like, the last thing this league needs is people from the inside criticizing it and saying it's pish. Well, especially when they're going to use Morecambe fucking town. Yeah, as, yeah exactly. As, as the stick to batter the club or to batter the league with, he can get right to fuck. Yeah, he that's can. actually what's also what I love about this league is there's a weekend where you'd think, like, if you took Robson's interview in isolation, you'd be like, that is pretty wild. They're <laughs> yeah. nuts up there. And we go, oh, what? There was one the day before. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's the things that you're like, just slate your own team. That's fine. Like, if you have a bash at your own team, that's all right, Derek. But just to basically pull the entire league in. And what I loved about it as well was how he was like, oh, yeah, we battered Dundee. And like, we totally deserved it. And you go and look at the match stats and you're like, no, it looks like Dundee absolutely smashed you and quite deservedly took a 1 0 win back down the road. Anyway. Fine margins, though. That's it. Fine margins. It's almost like Roy McGregor has a real penchant for just like recruiting absolute fucking roasters to be in charge of his football club. Um, anyway, back to Livingston. Um, I haven't won a game in the league since the 7th of October. I think only Motherwell have got a worse record than that at the moment. Motherwell are on the cusp of, I think if they don't win this weekend or this midweek coming, they will overtake Gretna for the most number of... Um, games in a row but they haven't won a game anyway uh, back to Livy they haven't Livy haven't scored in the last seven games either managed to arrest a seven game losing streak uh, with a 0-0 draw at the Tony Mack on Saturday against Kilmarnock the sides played out a 0-0 draw at Amonvale to open the season up Aberdeen of course won both fixtures at Pataudry last season 5-0 in August where we all thought James Michael Goodwin was indeed the saviour uh, and then 1-0 in February as Barry Robson came in to start trying to tidy up the mess that had been left before him. Libby last winning in the Northeast in April 2022. At Pataudry, Aberdeen's record against Livingston on lead duty played 19-1-11, drawn three, lost five. I thought Livingston had won more than five times here at Pataudry in the league, but there we go, because they were our bogey team back in back in the day when they first came Ooh, up. A lot of cup games in there, though. True, true. Yeah, I'm probably getting mixed up with that. Uh, Livingston's top goal scorer is Bruce Chip on the shoulder, Anderson with three uh, that does mean though he has scored 33.3 percent of the nine that they've scored all season that is by quite some distance the worst goal scoring record in the league so get your money on Livingston one Aberdeen nil on Wednesday night Anderson did miss a penalty late on in the nil nil draw against Kelly at the weekend four goals from open play in the league so far that's against an expected goals of eight so they are absolutely desperately underperforming there one goal from set of pieces which does feel very unlivingston like it's fair to say. Um, three penalties and one own goal making up the difference. Defensively, they also look a bit suspect at both set plays and open play. 13 conceded from open play against an expected goals against us. 11, seven conceded from set plays 
against an expected goals against the 5.34. So again, feels a little bit on Livy, like to be conceding goals from set pieces and not scoring there. Uh, Livy with just the one win on the road so far this season out of eight played that came against Hibs in August. Was that the game that saw Lee Johnson get bulleted? <clears throat> it would feel like, like it, it was... might well have been. Yeah, it feels like the kind of result the season manager get hoofed. Um, yeah, because that would have been quite soon after they got beat by... God, where did they play? They got beat in Europe. And he was giving it the old calm down chat. No, the, the oh, minute in Andorra, yeah. Uh, and he was giving it the old yeah. calm down chat to the uh, travelling Hibs yeah. faithful. Yeah, I think that might be right. Graham, do you think that a defeat at home to Livingston, I think it was 3-1 or maybe 3-2, is that a sackable offence? I'm just memoing it for Wednesday. If you can't beat Livingston, I don't know if it's a sackable offence, but surely the... I don't know how much sugglier that peg can get. Pretty fucking sugar, imagine. It must um, be hanging on by the last possible thread before of, it just pops no, out. The last possible thread of no more nails. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um Martin Dale was kind of like the 3-4-2-1 this season, although I don't think it really seems to matter what formation they're playing in because they appear to be absolutely fucking terrible. Um this one's huge for us now. We touched on it a lot earlier on. I don't want to spend a lot more time on this, but I mean, what do you guys want to see? What do you need to see on Wednesday night if you have faith in Robson's ability to get us up the table? One game's not going to change it, but you need to need to win and need to see us actually believe that we can take the game to the opposition. We're at home. We have a better team. We have better players. I don't think we're going to get anyone out with Aberdeen or Livingston uh, disagreeing with me but we need to go and actually try and play some football and take the game to them as a team that's in really rancid run of form confidence will be low and then there's and Livingston I'm, <laughs> I, like I'm sure I'm convinced if we take the game to them that they just won't be able to they won't be able to deal with it they're not the sort of dogged team that they have been seasons past I mean, you, you know it's unusual to find them at the bottom, even though every season, self included, have probably all tipped them to go down, they're not usually actually in that position. So it's a team that, like you say, is, is conceding more than normal. It doesn't really carry a goal threat. Uh, surely there's got there's no other option than it has to be a win. And if it's not, uh, it, it just becomes really really difficult for this to turn around. In my eyes, anyway. Um, for me, it'll require Robson to play his best players um, and to play in a way that even if I don't necessarily agree with how it's being done, I can see some kind of cogent strategy that the team appear to understand and is making the most of the players that we have at our disposal. Um, Connor Barron, Dante Polvara starting the game. I was going yeah, to ask you guys, supply. What, what changes would you make if, if it was you? Uh, Magari would come in for, for Johnny Hayes, for sure. Um, I would... This is the thing. Like I can talk about what I would do, but I don't think it's going to happen. I would be going to a back four. Um, I'd get something like... I'd try something like Angus and maybe Richard Jensen in the back there and get the midfield in there with Baron, uh, Polvara, Clarkson, McGrath, and then, you know, maybe even like a Duke in a sort of wide position with the license to to go in field and get support, get supply to, to Boyan Miofsky. And like Graham said, take the game to them. 
unfortunately, what I think will happen is that we'll take the game to them in the way of absolutely fucking shelling it for 90 minutes and probably playing into Livingston's hands. I think we'll probably still win the game, but it'll do nothing to, yeah, encourage me anymore that Robson's going to be the guy for for the long haul. And as I've been talking about this, I've just noticed that Livingston have conceded two less goals than us this season. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. They, they Defensively, they, they look poor, but you're right, they've conceded. Guess what? So do we. <laughs> yeah. Um, Graham, if it was you, what would you be What would you be doing? Other than not turning up to Pissodre on Wednesday because you can't be fucked. Going full Steve Patterson. Yeah. I don't know. What would I do? Something different. Give Duhan a shot just for the banter. <laughs> I've not decided what position yet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like... I can see why you'd want McDonald in. I think he's been a little bit unfairly treated. I think he's he's not played as much as I would like him to have played. And when he has played, I think he's been he's been decent. I don't really want to see Johnny Hayes playing too much more. You know, Bagari's fit to be good to see what he's actually all about. And I think you want to have you want to have Duke in there. In some sort of role as well, but not just uh in that like the headless chicken role where we're just launching it to him because he, even though you saw that little bit on um Sunday when he comes on, like Wright gets a booking because he yeah he tries to match him and he can't and he has to bring him down. He just has that about him, even if he's not having the best it creates game, chaos just, about him. Well, but that yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's and a level of unpredictability about Duke. Yes, and that's but you want him in a position where he's Either running on to, you know, like a a through ball rather than a sh- being shelled, or he's got a chance to get the ball on his feet and do something with it. I think you want him on the on the pitch, and you obviously want Miofsky there as well. So, I think you just need to try and get some some width and some pace into the team, because launching it, I agree, is just going to suit. Livingston, to be honest, and yes, the ball will probably just come straight back to us because they'll just get rid of it, and it'll just be like a war of attrition. I, I think we need to find a way to attack them with some pace, and I think that will that will be enough for us to get be- the better of them. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I think you're at both of you guys are absolutely right on this. I think like I, I'd switch to the back four on Wednesday night. I don't think when you've got a team coming like Livingston who've got such a horrendous record for a goal, do you really need to play with three centre-halves? Like, uh, I'm not sure you do. Back four, I would tend to agree with you, Gav. I'd play McDonald in there um, and I'd probably put I'd probably put Jensen in purely just to give you the balance right foot, left foot. Um, but I think you could put any of the other two centre-halves in that position, possibly. I'm not sure what's your position on the left-hand side of a two, but I'd like to see Rubizic getting the chance to be alongside McDonald to be kind of talked through the games a little bit more. Um, I'd play Devlin right back. I'd play McGarry left back. I'd go with a holding midfield too, and I, which I can't believe I'm going to say. I, I don't think you need a holding midfield too at home against Livingston, but fuck it for the purposes of this. I'd go with Povara and Barham, which I think gives you... Like, I think the, I actually think so. Looking at it, Povara Barham, I think gives you quite a nice balance to it. They're both they can, they can do they both, can both parts of the ground. game. They showed that in Frankfurt, in Frankfurt you know, against Frankfurt. Sorry, at Pedro. They could be tenacious. They could be tenacious. Baron, they're both technically decent enough on the ball. Ovana's well, picked a few 
long yeah. balls, if you want to call them. Yeah, yeah. That this, you know, that are actually aimed not at long someone balls. and They're... are dropping in at someone running onto it. Yeah. Um, so I you've think... got that sort of range of passing between the pair of them where yeah. we can mix up a little bit. Because there is a point where there will be an opportunity to hit it yeah. long to a runner. You want to be able to capitalise on that. But likewise, you don't want it to be your only option. Yeah, I agreed. I'd go Miosti up top, Prenny's fit. Um, because I know there was a lot of doubts about him heading into the game on Sunday, and I wasn't sure he looked completely 100% on Sunday. Um, but if he's fit, I'd go with him, and then I'd go with a three behind him of Duke on the left. I'd put Clarkson into the actual number 10 role, and I'd put Shea Momo on the right of the three. Purely because I thought when he came on on Sunday, I thought suddenly we actually had a little bit of threat on that flank, and he did put in a cracking ball for Duke for the goal against Frankfurt. I think if it's a, I think it's a game to give a guy a chance, this is it. Let's well, I think it fits with my desire to get a bit more width, and a bit yeah. more pace into the team. So whilst that the jury's absolutely still out on him, his cameo appearances of late since uh, he came back from his injury, he's brought a little bit more excitement to the team now that um, might this may be more a reflection of the way we've been playing rather than he's you know found another level but uh, I can see I can see the argument for having him feature yeah I'd like McGarry to start just because I want to actually figure out for myself I can't get a read on James McGarry at all because of how well, fleeting that's kind of why I'd like to been. that's why I'd like yeah. to see him start and yeah just for that reason try and figure out is this boy any good or not yeah because I don't think we actually even know yet I no, think there's been flashes where I go I think he looks decent and then like Flash I thought when he doesn't uh, yeah I thought when he, where, yeah looks like this is a, a bit of a step up for him like I thought when he came on on Sunday I thought he looked he was more impressive than Hayes was in terms of going forward and he offered us a lot more threat up the left hand side but defensively I think he's a little bit suspect um, I've seen a lot of people try to dig him out for the goal I'm not sure it's entirely his fault I see like, him and Jensen get drawn to the same ball, ball with Dessers and he's maybe a bit slow getting out to Tavernier. <clears throat> and he does that thing I hate defenders doing where he puts the hands behind his back, <clears throat> try to block it. You loved it when Ramadani did it. Yeah, it was Rama, obviously. Rama had credit in the bank. These are the types of things you go, that's fine, I'll let that slide. Um, I understand why defenders and midfielders do it now in the box. I totally understand why it happens because it appears now anytime the ball hits anybody's fucking upper torso it's a penalty kick these days so I get why people do it but it just looks horrible it looks <clears throat> it looks, like, looks you're, like you're not bothered when it doesn't work you yeah. know if it bounces off his stomach and if it's ah that's fine he kept his hands in didn't take a chance yeah. it looks it like you're bothered. chicken it out of it yeah yeah but I would also and say and I don't think it's what is happening but I no no just, I don't think that's what he's trying to do I think yeah. you're right they're just worried about giving away a penalty like you say I've seen a few this season where it's like the guy's literally blasted at a player and then they get the penalty. But going back to the goal, yeah, neither of them do particularly well, but the guy just waltzes past Povara. He does, yeah. Which is so, disappointing given that, you know, Povara's not long Yeah, you've got, to deal with the, you've got to deal with the ball once it's coming yeah. into the box. But if you're just going to let the opposition cross it with such ease, you're just asking for trouble. And it feels like it was one of the only times in the game, like we touched on earlier on, I don't want to go back too much about the, the game on Sunday, but it feels like... We actually did a pretty decent job on the whole defensively at keeping the Rangers fullbacks from getting to the byline and swinging balls in. I think there was only really that one that Barisic really got to the byline on. Tavernier was kind of kept 
25, 30 yards, you know, away from goal when he was kind of swinging balls in from the side, but not, you know, right up against the touchline. So it's a bit frustrating as well. Anyway, um, do you, here's the other question, the, 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 the $64 million question. Do you though, expect to see any changes at all in terms of shape, set up, and even personnel on, on Wednesday night? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, it's, which is the most worrying thing. I think it's probably fair to say. Right, let's wrap up really quickly. Predictions then for Wednesday night uh, as Livingston travel to Pataudry to take on the Dons and the Cinch. Um, drab as fuck. 1-0 win to Aberdeen. What he said. 1-0. Uh, I'm going to go drab as fuck as well, but I'm going to say it's going to be 0-0. And yeah, uh, if that happens, I don't know what the fuck goes on on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Anyway, there we go. That's a very depressing way to... To finish this up but hey that's what we do um to be fair it's not really us it's, it's not really it's us it's entirely our fault <laughs> i'm just reflecting on what's happening in front of my eyes all we can do is react to the <laughs> uh to the chaos indeed it's right very disappointing because we'd hope to have been able to bring a a cup winning podcast to the to the airwaves this week but not yeah yeah all the sound bites with the champagne corks popping i'll just put them away for another day indeed so that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the abz football podcast thanks again for joining us please remember to like subscribe follow whatever you might do on your podcast player of choice join us next time around where we'll review the game against livingston and we'll touch on the game at the weekend against dundee in the cinch as we all await the visit of santa claus on monday we'll look forward to seeing you then Stanley. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!